This is the Influencers Network Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Craig. I'm the Executive Director for Influencers Global Ministries here in Bentonville, Arkansas. And uh, we are uh, experiencing the craziness, just like all of you. Uh, as a matter of fact, we're doing our podcast. Uh, Rocky's at his uh, home. I'm at the office. We're in remote locations, so we can kind of be protective of, uh, of quarantining and not exposing anyone and, you know, uh, not meaning to, but uh, so anyway, uh, Rocky, welcome. Thank you, Brian. Good to be with you. Yeah, we're so we are just so thankful that uh, God gave us Zoom uh, video technology, video conferencing technology a couple of years ago. He gave us a vision uh, just to use it for doing uh, virtual journey groups and things like that. And little did we know, and uh, two years later, ever the world would be using Zoom and, and needing Zoom to, to stay connected. So. So anyway, uh, we uh, we're glad that and so we're using Zoom right now to do this podcast. But uh, we thought that uh, we just want to connect with all of you out there. I, I want to thank all of you who've joined our prayer calls on Sunday afternoons uh, at three o'clock p.m. Central Time, which we're going to do another one uh, this weekend, this Sunday, and you'll be seeing a link on that um, three o'clock Central Time, and just trying to uh, come together and unite and uh, encourage one another and uh, pray together. And just pay attention to what God is showing us. So, so Rocky, what's uh, you've lived seventy five years on on this earth. Uh, have you ever seen anything like this? Uh, coronavirus crazy pandemic? No, actually, I I thought that it would uh, come after I died, sometime a hundred years from now. Yeah, <laughs> I thought that we would probably be seeing challenging things like this. And, and I've said often that I wanted to prepare my children and my grandchildren for difficult times that they would be facing that would uh, be uh, food so shortages and everything from, uh, you know, people trying to kill each other to get a, a roll of toilet tissue, which seems to be happening. <laughs> and uh, I always thinking in the future, you know, it's kind of like a science fiction apocalyptic type thing, you know, but in reality, the prophetic uh, biblical things that we read about, about the end days. And so I always felt like, gosh, man, it's coming. But I didn't know it would be on us inside of two weeks from the time that this <laughs> thing began. Our lives changed. Uh, yeah. This country changed. The economy changed. Uh, attitudes changed. Perspectives changed. Uh, needs changed. And all of those things happened. And uh, of course, I don't know where it fits in, in biblical history, except one thing that I do believe. I don't know if it is a, a sign of the beginning of the end of days, but I do believe that at least it is a wake-up call for us to turn back to God. Because I think that that's what has uh, happened in our culture and the world, is that we've tended toward thinking that he is no longer interested in us, so therefore we're not interested in him and his precepts. And I think that he is reminding us, yes, <laughs> he is greatly interested in all of those things, and he wants us to get back to to operating under his precepts and guidelines and because they're for our own good. And uh, so, no, I hadn't seen anything like this, um, but I'm not surprised by it, really. Yeah. 
Do you think, uh, I've heard people ask, you know, is this end times or is it uh, beginning of birth pains? You know, um, are you feeling or sensing anything in your own time with the Lord, anything like that? You know, Brian, uh, it was 1966 that I had a friend who I'd met. And for the first time, uh, I was introduced to uh, biblical prophecy. 1966, and that was before any books were written or anything like that. There were some studious people, and I wouldn't doubt uh, how Lindsay was one of the people that was teaching before he wrote his book, The Late Great Planet Earth, and that was the first one that I ever read, uh, read on that. And a lot of us kind of got, you know, intrigued and excited about it. And, but the point I'm making is that it, at that particular time, there were things that were prophesied that would be happening with the world uh, from a biblical standpoint, a geographic, political, biblical standpoint. There were a lot of things that would be that would be happening. And one of those would be the advent of the personal computer and scan cards and you know all the other things that that are we take for granted now is just that's the way we operate. But back then it was so far fledged that we didn't think that you know, that, that, hey, how's that going to ever happen? And the Iron Curtain the social, uh, was way up there, and Soviet Union was threatening and all-powerful in many ways as far as what people were thinking. And we never thought that they would fall apart, but they did. Now they're coming back together in a lot of ways. The Middle East was, well, it was just not thought of much. You know, they were beginning to develop oil over there, but it was just not, uh, it was not as futuristic as it is now. And so world events have changed over the last years that I've been watching this and I got introduced it in 1966. So you can imagine I have seen a lot of things fulfilled Mm -hmm. in these changes and, and therefore with that in mind, it's helped me understand that, yes, we are rapidly moving toward end times. We are moving toward Christ's return. Mm. And when we see something like this happening, we can't help but think, is this the beginning of it? I don't think it is it. I think it might be the beginning of it. Mm-hmm. I think it could be a wake-up call. And I think that if there's anything a wake-up call, it needs to be a wake-up call to the bride of Christ, which is the church. Mm-hmm. That, that I, remember, I remember the parable that Jesus gave about the virgins and the, having their oil lamps full of oil and the wicks trimmed. And so when the bridegroom came, that they could run out to be with him. And, and the point he was making is that to be ready, like a thief in the night, he comes. And I, I think the church, in, in many ways, especially in this country, is living for the here and now rather than uh, what's going to be following, mm. what's coming. And this serves as a wake-up call to help us remember that we, we're, we're missionaries on, from another kingdom here. Mm-hmm. You know, We'll have a homecoming party to go to. Uh, this is not our home. We're here for a purpose and a mission. And 
as far as I'm concerned, I think it's helped me to be a better steward of my time and my time of life to recognize that, hey, you know, I just got a few years left. I need to put my best effort in here. But I think I'm not the only one. I think there are other people there like me. And I think I think that's the awakening that's going on right now in the body of Christ. And that's a good thing, Brian. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like the word awakening. And uh, I, I've kind of described it as God trying to get our attention, you know, and in a lot of different ways. I see he's shaking everything that everybody put their faith and hope in, you know, the stock market, uh, uh, supplies to go get supplies at the store, uh, sports. I mean, most people are inundated with, uh, feeding off of their sports world, you know, and all that was shut down. Who would have ever thought that could ever happen? Um, so I think it's making people think about life a little differently and what's, and then people are thrust together with their families, you know, and, and so they're starting to think about the time they didn't have with their families before. And now they got all this time. So, a lot of things are happening. And my daughter was asking me, do you, dad, do you think this is in times? And I, I said, well, I think he's trying to get our attention. And I asked her, do you think he needs to get our attention? And I said, do you think most people on this earth care about God, who God is and what he thinks and what his word says? And she shook her head no. And I said, well, do you think most Christians on this earth are really living their lives according to biblical principles and, and living you know, lives of abiding and, and being disciples. And she shook her head no on that too. And I said, well, if that's true, then I could see God needs to get our attention. What do you think about that? Yeah, well, I agree. I, you know, Brian, uh, as you know, th- there are several of us that's been praying for our country and for the divisions that we have in this country uh, for a long time. But I think probably our most fervent prayer has been for the church in this country, the body of Christ, because I believe, honestly, I believe that that which is good about this country has been because of the church that's been in this country. I think the precepts that, that this you know, country has been built on has been the precepts of God. I think when you look at uh, the laws, and then you look at the Ten Commandments, and you look at the precepts of God, they filter through there. There's, there's, there's just that uh, accountability to uh, this higher power that we know is, is Christ. And our founding forefathers knew that, and they, they were emphatic on that, that this was to be a, a country under God. And, and so what's happened, we've had an attack on that through the years. Uh, and a lot of this is buy-in. Uh, believe it or not, a lot of this has not been buy-in by some of the old line denominational churches who no longer see Jesus Christ as the way, the truth, and life. They will say that he's just one of many ways. And, and then they'll bring in so many practices that are politically friendly, even though they're contrary to the precepts of God. And, and I wonder, should they ever should they still represent themselves as a Christian church? I don't Mm. think so. Mm. But I I do believe that there is a radical part that's trying to move it away from the, the biblical truths and guidelines that we've given. And then there's a large number of people that, that don't know what they believe in a lot of ways. They're ignorant of scripture. They're not interested 
Uh, many of them call themselves Christians, but really don't know Christ. And they can be easily swayed because of that. And I think because they're easily swayed, that I think God is fighting for us. I think that, in fact, I think he's, he's honoring our prayer. He is giving the church an opportunity now to rethink who she is, who she serves, and who she'll follow. And I believe that this could turn the tide for the church in this country, is that we can begin to be the church again that we need to be. And the church we need to be is the church in times like this that's able to administer the love of Christ mm -hmm. and let them see Jesus in us, not by what we say, but how we live and how we interact with them, how we interact with each other, the peace of God that surpasses all understanding that comes to guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Those things right there are very attractive to a world out there that's desperate and frightened and needing hope and looking for hope. And if they see that in people, they want to know, how is it that you have that? And when they dig deep, they say, oh, it's this Jesus you've been saying is your Lord. Mm. Now I get it. This is where we're being put in a position that we can make a difference now. Well, you and I saw a uh, kind of a funny image, and it was a guy with a T-shirt and the shirt, the caption on the shirt said, the church has left the building. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I mean, it was so, it was so awesome, really, because that's, that's what's happening. Yeah. yeah. In a good way. You know, I, I know it's causing a lot of problems for churches having to figure out how to reach their people. And, and I do feel for all the churches that are perhaps hurting from lack of tithes or whatever. I, you know, we feel for all the churches out there that are trying to figure this out. But, but I do think it's always been the the real church is the church, church universal, everybody out there being the church out there in their spheres of influence. Yeah. And the fact is, is that is the way it was designed to be. And that's the way it should be. But what is gravitated is to be an either or situation. Mm -hmm. You're either one of a four walls in a church in a typical church building in a church, a, a typical church congregation or you're a parachurch and you're outside of the real church. And you know, I've always hated the term parachurch. I think it's, it's a wrong description of, of ministries that are like us or campus ministries or other church or other ministries that are not necessarily held within a building that is no less the body of Christ, no less church ministering to the needs of people. Just a different form. And so I've always said, I don't think it's an either or situation. I think it's a both and. I think it's both. We assemble, and if you if you have a church that you meet in and it's a comfortable place, you can bring your children, you can have all the things that go along with family ministry. If you can have that, uh, man, fine, you need to be in it and you need to support it. But at the same time, if you're not in that, if you're on a campus, you can't be in a church, or you're in a prison, you can't be in a church, or you're in businesses, and you can't be in a church. It's no less church out there. And we need to, as the body of Christ, we need to embrace this paradigm shift. And it is true, right now, the church has left the building. <laughs> but I hope it is able to go back to the building one day, but at the same time, not leave the city, mm. not leave the world not go into these holy huddles, but to stay out here 
among everybody because that's where Christ is making the difference out here right now. You know, Rocky, back in 2006, when I went through the journey for the very first time and you were my mentor in that, um, I, after I was done, I started looking at things differently in my church for some reason, because I got a taste of something in my journey group that I had never tasted before. And, and I, and I couldn't figure out what it was, but, it, but I couldn't, things look, seem different at my church. And this is not to take away from all the good things that, that my church or other churches were doing, but there was something deeper and more powerful than I'd ever experienced. And then I came across Acts 2.42, and it was the description of the early church. Let me just read it real quick. It says, this is after Pentecost, after Jesus uh, poured out, his, after the Spirit was poured out at Pentecost. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, the breaking of bread and prayer. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done to the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Day by day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. And I, I just felt like that kind of described some things that I saw in my journey group, you know, just a real dedication to the word, a dedication to prayer. Uh, there was a fellowship that kind of grew out of our group. Um, I saw people look into how they could meet needs that they saw as in the group. And, and to me, it was a picture of what the church was supposed to look like. At least that's what I felt. What do you think about that? Well, uh, first of all, I want to answer that, but I have to apologize. I am at home. I do have a dog in there that's going to bark, and this is as real as it gets, okay? So, in the home, home of now. Rocky Fleming. Yeah, yeah. And it's a puppy, so, you know, she's not much, very controllable. But, uh, you know, when you were talking about that, you were talking, uh, you are speaking of your own personal experience, that when you were outside of your church, you seemed to be getting you know, a, a better download, you know, you were understanding it better. It was hitting in your heart. And I, and, and I, and, and here's, here's the first thing I thought about, you know, I went through school for gosh, 12 years in high school and then four or five years in college. And uh, I never was good at, at, at classroom settings as far as learning was concerned. And, and I was kind of thinking, you know, I might be a dumb jock or something, you know, just kind of one of those things just tuned out. And, and uh, but when I got out and then I began to be interested in things and I was not in classroom settings, but I was in other settings where I was able to concentrate on material. I was able to concentrate on things I was interested in. I found that I was pretty intelligent, actually. I was able to absorb a lot of things because I had a great interest, and it was taking me deeper, deeper, deeper. And, and I think what happens, that I think that if we grow up in a church, we oftentimes learn to tune out, especially men. And it's no fault of the church. It's just the problem we have as men. We tend toward kind of getting in there and go into a little bit of a, a dull state and just get through it and then say we went to church check it off and people saw us there and you know we feel better about ourselves and feel like god you know not god's not gonna mess with me now because i went to church that kind of mentality that develops in us and we just miss something of the of, of the the real 
joy that we get in scripture and in wonderful uh, edifying teaching, uh, the worship music that, that can take us to a new place. If you just get there all the time and you're hearing the same things over and over and over in the same way, you, you get deaf to it. It's just part of it. Then you get away from it, Brian, and you get into a different setting and you can have the same scriptures and the same messages and the same message, but you would be in a different setting and it blesses your heart so greatly. Am I correct? Mm-hmm. That's right. It's a change of form. Mm-hmm. It didn't change the DNA. It just changed the form to be able to absorb it better. Now, let me tell you another thing happens though. Did this not happen when you began to really grow in your private devotionals and in your small groups? Did it not, was it not when you went back to church that those messages became alive to you? Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think I started looking at church, not as my source to be, to feed me, but I, I started looking, how can I help this church? How can I join the church and help my church be better? And how can I serve the people that are coming on Sunday morning? It was less about what am I going to get out of it, more what I can give to it. Right. And then, then you begin getting more out of it, though. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Because you see, what happens is that our appetite increases. And when our appetite increases, we're hungry. And we're hungry when we hear something and see something, we connect on it. We don't tune out like we used to, we tune in. And so the point I'm making is that a lot of times I think that we, we need to change our form sometimes to be able to get back to the heart of worship. Mm -hmm. I think that's the song is I'm getting back to the heart of worship. It's all about you. It's all about you. And in that song, basically saying that we tend toward making our worship so many show, showy things full of all kind of productions, and we forget the simplistic pursuit of worshiping and connecting with Jesus. Mm. And when we go back, it's all about him, that he comes to where we are, and then he takes us where he wants us to go. He wants us to grow up. He wants us to be nurtured in our spirit. He wants us to absorb greatly the word of God that speaks to us. Mm. The Holy Spirit is here with us to help us interpret the scriptures, to understand it. Uh, He teaches us from it. And so, but we have to learn to listen. And that's the key right there. So let me ask you this, Rocky. So we've been at this, uh, well, the ministry started in 2001 with the first journey group. And, but there's been thousands of men and women who, who we've, gone taken through our process, showing them how to have an intimate abiding relationship with Christ and open them up to new things and the Holy Spirit in a new way and all that. So uh, I feel like God's got his people out there and they're spread out all over the place in different parts of the world. What, what, how would you challenge them or encourage them right now? And especially today with what's going on around the world uh, to, to live it out, I guess, in this, in this day we live. Well, I would say seize the moment right now. I think that uh, right now people are are hungry for relationships and you can't isolate yourself nor from other people. And you need to use every means that you can to seize the moment to be able to to connect with people. Uh, I've seen uh, a lot of people out there looking for some kind of encouraging word because they're afraid. 
they don't know what's going on. They and I think just a, you know, a telephone call or a text message or a video conference, FaceTime, those kind of things go a long ways now, especially in the body of Christ. Mm. Because in the body of Christ, we have something that is, well, it's like you and me talking right now. You know, what draw, has drawn us together is our relationship with Jesus. Mm-hmm. And it's our relationship with Jesus that's brought our relationship with each other. And he is the tie that binds. Well, there are thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of people out there that are our brothers and sisters. And this is the time that we need to enter into lives and give them some word of encouragement, lift them up. Mm-hmm. I believe a disciple of Christ needs to be, the, needs to be proactive. Yeah. They need to be the initiators. And, and I look at myself and I say, I got to seize the moment. I got to, I got to accept this time of life as is a great opportunity. It's not a great discouraging time. It, it is challenging, but at the same time, nothing wrong with being challenged. Mm-hmm. And it's really great to overcome a challenge and get something that's really working. And I would just say that, you know, the, I just did a devotion on um, the Romans passage. It says, let us just, Consider how to stimulate one another to love and good works, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves, habit of some. That's 10, uh, Romans 10, 24, 25, I think it is. But the, the scripture says, let us consider how. And then it says, don't forsake the assembly of ourselves, habit of some, but encouraging one another. So if you just say it like this, let us consider how to encourage one another. That's another way of saying, let us, let us be creative in trying to encourage one another. Mm. You know, here's a creative novel idea. How about writing somebody a letter and put it in, in the mail? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've got a, an almost 80 year old um, sister who's in nursing home and, and we're cut off. I can't talk to her. She can't handle a phone anymore. It's just family can't go in there, but they do get mail. So I'm going to write my first letter in a long time. I like to do emails and texts. As you know, I'm a millennial, <laughs> 75 year old millennial, but you know, that's a novel idea, but I'm going to write her a letter and I can tell you right now that she's going to be so blessed by it. She'll share, she'll put it in her treasure chest. Mm. And I asked my daughters and my son to do the same thing. Send pictures of the children because she's a woman who needs encouragement and God laid her on my mind. Mm. But there are other creative ways. Like I said, you know, we, we have good communication now with these phones and text and, you know, all the other ways you can develop some kind of video community or technological community, some kind of digital community. Seize the moment. Be creative. Look for ways to enter into somebody's life and touch them at their point of need. That's what I would encourage the body of Christ to do right now. This could be our finest hour. Mm to enter in people's lives and help them know this Jesus that we know. You know, and, and another thing, um, we're strongly encouraging all our guides out there to not stop meeting. You know, don't, don't, uh, don't give in to all this, uh, uh, right. That makes you stop meeting. So use zoom. 
which you can get a pro license for $15 a month or something, and just keep meeting via video conference. And because uh, these journey groups, uh, they need to they need to meet more now more than ever, you know, to stay connected, to keep focused on the right things and to keep encouraging them toward Christ. So, uh, and, they, and they are, most of them are. Yeah, I just uh, received word from my uh, daughter-in-law in Charlotte that, that they're going into into sheltered, uh, sheltered, um, I guess you call it environment. And we're trying to ask, well, what's the difference in what we're doing, kind of just staying away from everybody in and, and this sheltered way? And they said, well, it's, it's a legal term, actually. And they can arrest you. They can fine you for being out for whatever reasons that are not, not approved for assembling for over, over 10 people. I mean, they're going to aggressively make it against the law to do this. Mm. Now we're not that way yet in Arkansas, but in some of your larger metropolitan areas where they're having this viral infections that are looming greatly is they're aggressively trying to do something about it. And so, you know, you're going to have to be forced to use different means. I mean, you either going to say, I'm going to not meet any longer and then become very vulnerable because you get isolated, get lonely. And that's a, that's a very bad place to be with the enemy lurking around us. Or you beat it back. And, you know, I love the passage in Ephesians 6, 8 says, knowing this, the good that we do to others, God himself will come back and do the same to us. Mm-hmm. And, I, and that's a marching order to me. That's, that's where God's saying to me, Rocky, if you, will, if you will reach out to this person I'm giving this thought to you about and be creative to offer some word of encouragement or some way to encourage this person, then I'll, I'll encourage you. You take care of these people, and I'll take care of you. Mm. And that's how I read that scripture, and and I've been following it for many years now. And when I minister to other people, honestly, I minister myself as well. Mm. Well, you know, uh, the last thing I think I just want to I want to close with this is, uh, you know, God is waking us up and waking the church up and trying to get all of our attention. But those for those of us who belong to God who are called by his name and who are his children and who are abiding with him. He doesn't want us to be afraid. There's nothing to be afraid about. He's, he's, he's still on the throne. He's still in charge. He can protect us. Um, and I, I don't think he wants us to have fear. And uh, when this verse came out, you, uh, the first verse that came to your mind, if I'm not mistaken, is Psalm 91. Is that right, Rocky? Oh yeah. Chapter 91. Chapter, yeah, yeah, chapter 91. Yeah, chapter 91 of Psalms. And I want to read it as we close, because this is a, it's a promise. And, uh, and it, I read it this morning. It just gave me great comfort, just a reminder of how God's looking out for us. Sure. So he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge, my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and a buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. 
a thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. Because you've made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High, who is my refuge, no evil shall be allowed to befall you. No plague come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you, to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against the stone. You will tread on the lion and the adder, the young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. Because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. That was Psalm 91. And so we're out of time, Rocky, but thank you for your your comments and I hope people are encouraged and challenged and uh, we're going to keep trying to do that ourselves to everybody out there. And uh, I'll remind you one more time, we're going to have another prayer call this Sunday at 3 o'clock p.m. And if you're on our email list, you'll get the uh, link to that. Uh, so that you can join us, uh, join us on Sunday afternoon, three o'clock Central Time. That's so we just keep staying together. Well, keep looking up and give them help, Brian. That's right. That's right. Well, I'm Brian Craig, Executive Director for Influencers Global Ministries. This has been the Influencers Network podcast, and I encourage you to abide in Christ and go make disciples. God bless you.